0: This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. I had always
1: dreamed of traveling the world, but I kind of assumed it wasn't really for me because I was just so shy.
0: That was a clip from my wonderful guest today, Michael Lavers, and his story is an interesting one. Oftentimes, We glamorize travel. We hear the stories of people who take off, travel the world. Everything works out fantastically. They're super happy. (laughs) They've achieved their dreams. And life is amazing. Except that's not how it started for Michael. In fact, his first trip was terrible in many ways. It actually put him further into his depression and his shyness and feelings of isolation You're going to hear all about that experience and how he turned it around by holding on to that dream of travel and pursuing it very intentionally. And through this story, you're going to get a lot of practical tips on how you can do the same, whether you're trying to overcome shyness or not. Of course, that was the thing that Michael was battling with going into his first trip, going into his pursuit of his dream of travel, but... We all have maybe our own version of that. And the tips that he shares are powerful and actionable. We talk about how you can let your body tell you what to do. We have a whole conversation around the importance of talking and thinking about death, which is fascinating because Michael worked in a crematorium. So he has a very unique perspective on that. Of course, how travel can help you overcome extreme shyness and make more connections, how branding your next trip, and setting micro goals, can help you focus on improving areas of your life, that you may want to improve, and we get into some of the business stuff as well, how he built his own teaching English platform, so he could travel, what that takes financially, to make it sustainable, and practical tips on getting out there, and meeting more people, meeting more locals, and having richer, and more fulfilling connections, all of that, and loads more, in this episode, plus, I'll issue a little challenge for you coming out of this show, something actionable that you can take away and think about as you go about your day, and a shout out to a couple lovely souls in this community. It's all happening right now, right now, yes, so buckle up, strap in, thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast,
1: where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and
0: travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. And it can be tough to fill your life with travel if that first trip doesn't go as planned. And that's why this interview was so exciting to me to bring to you, because it was unexpected. It was not the I quit my job and traveled and everything was good story, as I mentioned at the top. There was some struggle here, and I really admire our guest today for not just working through the struggle, but holding on to that dream of travel and still finding a way to make it happen. I'm not talking about financially or lifestyle-wise. I'm talking about internally, after having some of the experiences he had early on and how they affected his mindset, affected him personally, which in many ways, is the hardest thing to come back from. And although the focus here is overcoming his shyness, I do believe there are universal lessons within this conversation that we can take and apply to our own lives or maybe our own struggles. And going into the interview, I was going to leave this for the back end, but I did want to give you one question to ponder that will allow you to take what you hear today through Michael's story and... Apply it to your own life, to your own situation right now. Now, let me just give you this question, something to consider as you listen to this interview, something to consider as you come out of the interview on the other side. What is one simple way you can use travel to overcome or to improve something in your own life? I'll answer that question on the back end. You can stick around for that if you're curious and give a shout out. To somebody in the community, you can answer that question for yourself as well. So, without further ado, let's slip and slide into the interview segment, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Final call for Cafe
1: Pacific Flight
0: CX100 to Hong Kong, now at its final stage of boarding through gate
1: 24.
0: Well, I was tempted to bring. Uh, a cup of tea to this interview. I was downstairs. I was getting some coffee. And I was like, should I bring tea? Because Is that because of the British Michael, thing? Michael's British. And, you I've know, got coffee it's... too, so don't worry. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So then I just, I couldn't, I couldn't go for the tea bag anyway. I should give you a quick introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Right. I'm on the, on the line with Michael Lavers. You can check out his work at EWMichael.com com, which stands for Englishwithmichael.com. And you teach English online and do a bunch of stuff with that, which we'll get into because I have some questions around how you do that for yourself off, off the platforms. I know teaching English is one great way that a lot of people kickstart their long-term travels or even full-time travels, whether they're doing it abroad or doing it online and just traveling around. One of the big reasons I wanted to, to talk to you was you sent me an email and you mentioned something about how travel overcame, helped you overcome your extreme shyness. And we're going to get into all that later, but I think it's good to start with, first of all, just a, a hello. And secondly, you teach English, but what is your favorite British slang? Ooh. That you could teach. That's a good
1: one, us. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really like much of a slang user. It, j- it just doesn't come naturally to me. Would you like a Cornish word? So I'm from Cornwall in yeah. the southwest of England.
0: It's hyper local.
1: Yeah, I give something more, more local. So, you know, Cornwall actually has its own language, you know, separate from English, which isn't spoken much these days. And But there's a lot of slang that we have down there that nowhere else has. And one that is very confusing is the word directly. Could you guess what that means? Say it again. I'll, I'll see you directly. Directly? It sounds like it. It means later. So it kind of sounds like it means in a second, but it means like, not now, later.
0: Right. How would you spell that word? I think it's
1: D-R-E-C-K-L-Y.
0: Okay. Directly. Directly. Yeah. Where does that come from?
1: Maybe it comes from the Cornish language. I'm not too sure.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I know nothing about Cornwall, as you can tell. Yeah. Many people don't. (laughs) So I I love to talk about it. Well, let's kind of rewind a little bit because you mentioned in your email, you said when you first started listening to this show, you were working full-time and you went through a period of mild depression. And then you said you took a solo trip, which opened your eyes, and you gradually transitioned to working full-time as a self-employed English teacher for ESL learners. But I'm just wondering about that time when you were working full-time and going through this depression. What was that like? What were you doing? And what was kind of going through your head at that time?
1: Yeah, so that's that's where it all begins. So it was a bit of a unusual start to kind of my working life because I was 21. Um, that's when I was like at my peak sadness, I would say. And I was actually working at a crematorium, which is a bit really? strange for a 21-year-old. No way. Um, so it was, I had some really good colleagues there. It was quite a nice uh, environment, all things considered. But of course, it was a little bit depressing at times. So that didn't help my, my mood. And I think, you know, I had always dreamed of traveling the world, but I kind of assumed it wasn't really for me because I was just so shy. And, um, yeah, so I was working at this crematorium. I had a really good job, like quite well paid for for my age, especially. And I, yeah, I just felt like I had no future. Like there was no way I could get higher in the job. It was just that forever. And I just kind of felt really down and I just decided to leave because of the, the stress and yeah, it was kind of causing problems with my relationships too. Cause I was like acting you know, I was just taking the work stress and putting it on all the people I know, you know? So I kind of spontaneously decided to quit, I said to my boss that maybe I'll be back. And she said, you know, if you want to come back that it's always, you're always welcome to. Um, but I really secretly didn't want to come back so i kind of left and i traveled for three months to clear my head that was the plan anyway
0: <laughs> and where did you go
1: i traveled uh to japan and this was my first ever solo trip so it was kind of going in at the deep end i went japan for one month um hong kong and then spain mm-hmm. mm, wow it's a
0: cool itinerary <laughs> yeah well it
1: was really good it was really good Um, But there were a lot of problems, too. I kind of realized you can't always run away from your problems. Like travel doesn't fix everything. Is kind of what I realized from that. Hmm. In what way? In my head, it's kind of idealistic. I was thinking like, okay, I can travel. It will fix all my problems. Everything will be fine, you know. But when I left, I kind of found spending all that time alone just enhanced and amplified that kind of depressed feelings those depressed feelings and yeah you know i was in, i was in japan for 1 month all alone and i was so shy at this point i couldn't really meet anyone i couldn't make friends and just the idea i had in my head beforehand was like you know travel michael's different from you know england michael i'm not going to be the same person but when i went i realized it was just it wasn't as i expected so I kind of spent the entire month counting down the days so when I can go home, I felt like a failure. Um, I was too afraid to leave my bubble on many days. I would just stay in my hotel room and I kind of felt, I think what made it worse was my dream had been to travel the world. And at this point I was you know, living my dream supposedly and I still felt terrible. I felt like a failure because now not only was i sad but i also lost my dream because it wasn't as i expected um, it does get better later which i'm sure we can come to but at this stage it was it's a bit of a sad one yeah
0: wow you work you're saving money you go off on this journey sort of expecting this other experience in some ways and it turns out i think the words you said were that it amplified your shyness, or maybe this depression or feeling of isolation in many ways. And certainly if you're feeling isolated before you leave, and then you go on a trip where you don't really speak the language, I saw on your website, you studied the Japanese at that point, but you hadn't really been able to to speak it to a certain level, or you were too shy to, you can feel even more isolated in foreign countries, especially when you don't really understand what's going on around you all the time you know, people are talking and it's it's just, you can kind of be in your own head a lot. It It's just the way it is. Coming back from that, what did you do? Did you go back to the crematorium? I want to hear what it's like to work at a crematorium as well.
1: <laughs> it, it was interesting. I, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. You know, in hindsight, it was a really good experience. It, it was my, I'd had many jobs before that, but this this was my first full-time job. I was actually the head gardener, So I was working, you know, planting the flowers and we also like buried people's ashes as well. But then the thing I disliked is that when the, you know, the cremation technician uh, was away on holiday or sick, I had to take over. That was the role of the head gardener, which seems a bit strange, but that was like part of the job, just doing that stuff. It kind of gave me a good perspective on death. I hope it's not too morbid to talk about.
0: No, so no. I can... think this is really important. Uh, I think one of the things that is not good maybe about Western culture is that we avoid talking about death a lot as if it's some kind of taboo subject that doesn't apply to us <laughs> right now. I actually find that it's a great motivator to think about it a lot, not in a morbid way, in, in a way that energizes you, in a way that challenges you to to live your best life in the moment.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I agree. Yeah. And this this job helped me see that a bit sooner I guess because we we kind of make death seem like this really big thing it's like such a big deal but I don't think it has to be and I think that's a good thing because uh, this is probably a weird comparison to make but like you know when you see like a you go to the supermarket you see the meat <laughs> in the supermarket you don't you don't think of death then you just think it's you you might know it's a dead animal but you don't think of it that way and the food stuff aside it's a little bit similar in that there's nothing you know not about the physical aspect there's there's nothing magical about it it's just you you die and you can turn into dirt again into soil it's hard to put into words but it's quite nice seeing it that way it takes away all this you know oh no it's such a big deal it's so scary but really it can be quite can't find the word but i hope i hope you kind of see where i'm getting at
0: yeah so when you took over those duties does that mean you have to you're physically loading dead bodies onto uh like some kind of belt and putting it into a furnace or what does that exactly mean it's not so much like that it's you you know you you never see the body
1: because it's always in the coffin so you get the coffin and just put it in oh Um, i see okay you have to push it in there was one time and i think this was probably the like the catalyst the thing that led me to wanting to quit because we were using like a new roller machine to push them into the furnace and i kind of messed it up on my first go and i probably shouldn't be saying this but oh well um yeah this is really bad it's kind of incriminating but um when i pushed in the coffin it was like half in and half out and it didn't go in all the way and it's really dangerous because the the heat of the fire is like 800 degrees celsius so it's really hot so it could have like burned down the entire building and also ruined this person's cremation. So eventually, my boss helped me fix the problem and it was, it was okay in the end. But just the stress of doing that and the, the idea that it could happen again was like too much. So,
0: yeah, thanks for sharing that. I mean, it sounds like it was a pretty powerful moment for you. It caused you to tip the scales the other way and, and leave. But also, I would imagine thinking about your day to day work life you're around death every day in some way right or, or the what happens after somebody dies but it's still it could remind you of certain things that make trigger almost like a mini existential crisis every day in some ways right like oh man I'm gonna die one day just like this I'm gonna get burned up what am, I mean I'm thinking in my own head what I might be like but was any of that just being around that any of that a motivator for kind of getting yourself uh, out on the road in the first place and then maybe eventually overcoming the shyness and stuff or is it just was it just kind of an experience and you left it at that
1: that's an interesting question I mean maybe it was on some level I, I think a lot of people detach themselves from what's happening so that's why if you ever go to like a crematorium or somewhere like that everyone is always telling jokes they're always so happy because that's what you have to do to kind of get through that kind of work I tried to do that but I also felt like it was important to not ignore what was happening because I felt like there was like a good lesson to be learned there so I did try to kind of contemplate on what was going on and I didn't it didn't dwell on me too much but I did think about I did notice how young a lot of the people were they're not like um very young but you know a lot of people were in their 50s and 60s it wasn't like you know you say I'm going to live till I'm 90 um and that kind of it dawned on me then that you just don't know how much time you have. So I think that might have had something to to play in, in my decision. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you came back from the trip and you said that sort of ramped things up in some ways in terms of the isolation and depression, but were you were you more depressed than when you left in some ways? Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Yes. Oh um, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, w-
1: I wanted to mention like my lowest point. In Japan, I, like, so many things happened that on that trip that just kind of beat me down, really. And it was all in my head, to be honest. But my lowest point, I was sitting in Starbucks because that's really the only place I went because it was like the one thing I was familiar with from the UK. So sitting in Starbucks with my coffee, staring out at what should have been like the beautiful Tokyo skyline, like you could see the Tokyo Skytree and everything but I just, I felt so alone. I had tears running down my face because that was probably my lowest point. And I'll never forget that like that. I, I knew that would be a turning point for me. So I actually took a picture of that view. So it's always like a reminder. Um, so when I did come back, I did feel worse than when I left because I felt like I couldn't do what I wanted. I wasted my trip. I quit my job. And, um, also, I had studied Japanese for three years before that, and I felt like I was too shy to use my knowledge. So that left me feeling very defeated as well.
0: Yeah. Wow. And just to recognize kind of in that moment that that was a moment that you, that you knew was important for your life is pretty powerful as well, because it's not always that you recognize those moments in real time. In many ways, right? Uh, sometimes you reflect back and, and those big moments were, they, they, maybe they didn't seem as big at the time or they didn't seem as much of a turning point. But sometimes when it's happening, you, you kind of know these things intuitively, which is a different experience, of course. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway And enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say I'm a shy person. I'm not a shy person. And speaking a foreign language is difficult for me. You know, if you're not shy, it's hard to kind of put yourself out there in that way. And then if you add the shyness in, that's another uh, level. And we're going to get to how you kind of overcame that because I'd love to hear some of your tips because I think this could help some listeners. One thing you said, uh you was like, I thought traveling, Michael, would be different than England, Michael. And that can certainly be the case with some people, right? When you're traveling around, that's one thing you kind of can do. You kind of can be this any person because you're not really connected to people at home. You're not in your community. Nobody knows who you are. And that can be empowering, but it's not always that way, as you mentioned. I just kind of understand the level of shyness. Was that something that was a part of your entire childhood, or did that manifest itself later?
1: Yeah, always. And I, I think it probably came from my parents, to be honest, because they were both very shy. And you know, my mom gets nervous going to supermarkets because of the crowds. So I, I imagine I got it from them a little bit. But yeah, I've got horrible memories of just um, doing a presentation in front of like five people in my class at school, only five people in the whole class. And I was shaking and sweat coming down and my teacher said, okay, let's move on because she could see I was so terrified. So it's always stopped me from getting what I want in life. Um, so yeah, hopefully there'll be some people that can relate to me listening now and hopefully I have something good to share. That's, that's my goal today.
0: Yeah. And I I know going back to the, the the sort of the we call the dual personality not really you take yourself on your road and you are who you are but even people that might not be shy at home might find themselves being shy on the road or maybe their first time solo traveling in in your example or or something like that where it it might surprise you in some ways and I think this could fall into the category of being introverted as well for some people right yeah you said in your email you overcame extreme shyness through travel in 2016 I was too scared to even talk to people on the phone. I went from that to now traveling abroad for months, meeting new people every day and having the life I always wanted. Overcoming this crippling shyness is the best thing I ever did and I'd love to help more people who are feeling the way I did back in 2016. And first of all, thank you. Thanks for just reaching out and offering this up because it's it's you know, pretty vulnerable to talk about these things and this is nothing to do with like the business you run or anything. This is just you really just wanting to get onto a platform and and help some people listening. And I really, truly appreciate that. So thank you. I just want to hear when you look back how travel played a role in helping you do that. And yeah, let's just start there.
1: Yeah. so, So I guess very quickly, I can say when I returned from that trip, I got a job in a department store kind of thing. I didn't know what else to do. And I think this is an important part of the story because this is where I got Quite a lot of confidence. And I think one takeaway from this is that people can put themselves into situations where they have no choice but to leave their comfort zone. So in this job, I was dealing with customers, often very angry. Um, It was kind of a quite rough part of the town, and um, dealing with refunds and helping people. And after a few months, I kind of built some confidence from this. So I feel like that was. A huge stepping stone for me. But while I was working there, I was thinking about my future. That's where I started, you know, planning my business now, like teaching English, which maybe we could come back to if you want to.
0: Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about that for sure. Um
1: but yeah, so so then in in the the winter of twenty nineteen, right before the pandemic, I planned a trip which I kind of called it my redemption trip. So I was Really, I put a lot of hope on this trip that it would be different, that you know, I would prepare a lot. I would do everything I can to get basically make it the polar opposite of last time. So I planned six weeks in Japan. I went to the same country on purpose and also because I love Japan. And then um, a month in Thailand. I also went to Vietnam and Indonesia. So it was a cool trip, but everything was different, really. I could talk to people this time I'd improve my Japanese and so now I could um communicate more easily with people and I was making efforts to put myself out of my comfort zone every day and it kind of snowboarded from there like when you make a conscious effort to leave your comfort zone it becomes easier and easier and that's kind of what I did there I basically every single day I met a new person that was my goal
0: hmm so it sounds like it was really intentional in terms of first of all, you you branded the trip, right? My redemption trip. So right there, you're kind of setting yourself up for, hey, this is gonna be this is gonna be different than the last experience. Cause I was curious about this because it sounds like to me you still had it in your heart and soul that you wanted travel to be a part of your life, right? Even though you had this terrible experience the first time, it could have been easy to just shut the door. On that, and just be like, you know what, it's just not for me. You know, it's I want to do it, but it's too uncomfortable, or it's too isolating, or whatever. Instead, you challenge yourself. You you brand this next version, the redemption trip, and then and then you have some goals around it, right? Like getting out of your comfort zone every day, meeting a new person every day. These micro goals add up over time, right? So essentially, that's what you were doing. You just like wake up and say, all right. Today, I, I got to keep pushing myself out of out of my comfort zone and and getting out there and talking to people. And one day, did it just become easy or did it just gradually happen over a period of time for you?
1: Hmm. I guess it was gradual. I, I can't remember like a single moment where I felt like, oh, this is great. But yeah, I think it's like I said before, like whenever you succeed at something that gives you the motivation to do more of that. Um, I imagine it's like not that I would know I'm not a strong person but going to the gym as soon as you start to see some muscle some gains it motivates you to keep doing more um but until that point that's like the hard it, the hard part where you're yeah you're waiting for the first muscles muscles to show you're waiting for that first feeling of confidence but I think that's what you have to work through but yeah I guess the having the expectation that I would be uncomfortable was a big thing cuz rather than trying to avoid it you kind of lean into it, lean into the discomfort and kind of say, well, this is why I'm here. I'm I'm trying to be uncomfortable. So I think that's a good um, reminder as well for people.
0: A big part of that is, is important for running your own business as well. I would say putting yourself out there and, and being uncomfortable and getting into situations and conversations that you wouldn't have to deal with if you were just kind of you know, doing the the same job. I mean, certainly some jobs that 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 is a part of it, but others not so much. I've had both of those types of jobs. And but when you put yourself out there like you are with, you know, videos and podcasts, things like that, that's another level of overcoming shyness, I think, in some ways. I like what you said, have no choice but to leave your comfort zone. That part department job, department store job did that for you. And also, I mean, I can see a pretty big parallel with travel I feel like travel does the same thing right it kind of forces it can force you to leave your comfort zone uh, zone on a regular basis now you found a way in your first trip to not do that it sounds like <laughs> yeah it's definitely possible <laughs> because you were determined to, to sort of not do that and in, in, in that way but I just applaud you for getting back out there and and doing it and putting yourself out out into the world again because it, again it would have been easy to kind of shut the door on travel I feel for you in that situation. I love the idea of the kind of the intention and the and the goals each day to get out of your comfort zone and talk to people. What is your best piece of advice for somebody listening who maybe feels it doesn't have to be like a super shy person like you are but it it could just be maybe erring air, airing on the side of, Oh, I'm a little more shy than I'd like to be in certain situations. I want to get out and meet more people. I want to talk to locals. I want to have more, uh, I guess richer, more fulfilling, uh, connections with people out on the road and things like that. Uh, yeah.
1: Just share some advice if you don't mind. yeah So I, I guess I've got a, um, a tip and then maybe I could talk about some more practical things if you like. Um, one tip in terms of just like a mindset is, uh, you know maybe it manifests differently in different people but whenever something scary is about to happen to me you know maybe coming on this podcast for example i get a almost like a dip in my heart like my heart skips a beat so maybe maybe that's a universal thing and i made it a rule whenever i get that feeling that's something that i should do i'm obviously barring anything too dangerous but that hasn't come up yet so you know, there's there's been some cases like My best experience in Japan, one of my best days, I met someone in a cafe and we got to talking and she just said, oh, I'm a yoga teacher. Um, Do you want to come to my house tomorrow? I've got a yoga class there. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm terrified, but like, I'll do it. So I went to her kind of tiny, uh, you know, Japanese apartment the next day. There were two other people there. Um, We did yoga class completely in Japanese. So I'm trying to keep up. We went out for lunch afterwards. We had like a really nice day, uh, the four of us. Um, and just because I said yes to one thing and I, I didn't shy away from that kind of heart drop feeling. So that that's, um, now I think that's a good takeaway is just say yes when your heart drops within reason. Practical tips. I think again, one of the things I'm most thankful for practically is, um, I'm sure you've heard of it, the couch surfing app. Yeah. Yeah, I've never actually used it for its intended purpose of staying at people's houses you know, to sleep. But it's got, I don't know if it's still doing this. I know, I know they've been struggling through the pandemic, but it had a Hangouts section where you can see people in your area and you can just say, I'm available. I want to meet up for coffee. I want to explore. I want to go on a bike ride. So every day I would do one of them. And I met a new person each day. Um sometimes they would if it was a local they would take me out for food we go on like a get on their motorbike and go around the city and yeah I would I would never have been able to meet these people without that app and you know it doesn't have to be that app I guess like any kind of forum or travel app or anything like that I think is a great way to meet people so try to you know you don't have to rely on meeting people on the ground and walking up to strangers. It can just be some kind of pre-planned thing like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Two great pieces of advice. I think the the heart drop one is practical as well. It's just that you we're not used to hearing practical tips related to our intuition in some ways, right? Or to our body feeling. It's It's more, we think of practical tips as things that yeah, like it's like a checklist of things, right, that our mind can do. But but I think it's important to have these types of practical tips as well, because your body tells you a lot, right? And I love that concept of just yeah, it's almost just like to translate it to to the thinking mind, right? It's just basically saying, Hey, you know, anytime I get a little scared of something, that must mean it's it's a challenge that puts me out of the my comfort zone so i'm just going to do it not anytime but you know i think we, everybody listening understands what we're talking about like you said you're not going to be like hey i'll jump out of a plane without a parachute okay you know <laughs> you know we're talking about these depending on your perspective one person's small thing is another person's big thing right for somebody else it might not be a big deal to go up and uh, chat with a local or, or engage with a Whoever from the couch surfing app or whatever, for another person, it might be one of the scariest things they they've ever done, so I think that's why that's good advice because that really applies to the individual person's own feelings within their body and what they feel so that's that's great let's Let's talk about your business a little bit because you teach English online you you help people. I'll give your website another shout out. It's ewmichael.com, English with Michael. Yeah. Easy to remember
1: because it sounds like, ew, Michael.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they're not thinking that when they hire you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like to so see you have an article up here right now on your blog, how to be sarcastic in English. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was curious about this because, you know, like I said, English, teaching English for native speakers is a way that, Uh, Many people can get paid to travel. uh, I'd say a fairly low barrier of entry if you're a native speaker. You can get certified and you can teach on these platforms or even in schools and in different places if you want to live abroad and and teach. And I've done episodes on this before, but I, I haven't really talked to anybody that is doing this sort of on their own without the platforms. And I'm just wondering... Yeah, I mean, you can give us the one-on-one on how somebody listening might get into teaching English, and then we can transition into how you're doing it on your own as opposed to doing it through VIP Kid or one of these platforms.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think that there's so many benefits to doing it on your own. You get to have the freedom to choose what you want to do and choose who you want to work with. So that, you know, something like VIP Kid, I mean, I'm sure it's great, but that was never an option for me because I wanted to have the freedom in my work as well as um, my lifestyle. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking to get into it, I would recommend starting with some kind of uh, like teacher database service kind of thing, because it's going to take so much more of the the stress away from finding students. Um, so I started with many different websites. The main one I'm sure you've heard of is italki. italki. They're quite busy these days. I'm not sure if they're always open for new teachers, but that was where I started and I kind of built up some students and one tip that I would give, you know, it's, it's always against their terms and conditions to kind of invite them over to, to your website. And obviously that's not allowed, but on italki, I would have my prices a little bit higher and um, because they do take a cut of the fees. And then I would have my own website. I would never tell people about it, but the prices would be a little bit lower there. Um, occasionally people just found out about it on their own and they decided to go there because it was a cheaper cheaper deal um so after a few years i transitioned to mostly just my website now and um yeah i mean that's how i got started
0: okay and now people find you through your podcast and different things like that or what's the biggest driver for you in terms of getting students
1: yeah, definitely podcast is number 1 at the moment. It used to be Instagram. Um but I think podcast is such a powerful um medium to connect because you know, I'm sure you're aware of this. It can allow you to get to know someone on like a deeper level because you're hearing their voice maybe for hours. Um I know some people have listened to like all you know, all of my 100 episodes in one week, like something crazy. So they probably really feel like they can they know me and they want to you have lessons with me. Whereas Instagram is just 10 second video. They don't really get to know you. But yeah, I I recommend just like finding something that you're comfortable with. It could be YouTube or podcast or whatever. And going with that, you know, you can have other things too, but have one main thing as your focus and just build it up. And I think eventually it will be a great source of um, marketing for you, hopefully, as long as you can stay consistent.
0: What does it take? to build up to the point where you can do this full-time and travel. And I know the caveat is, uh, it's obviously, the cost of living is different all over the world. So you might not be able to go as far in Japan as you would in, say, Southeast Asia or something like that. But generally speaking, somebody wants to get into teaching English and they want to be able to support themselves while they travel. What is that? Take what does that look like? How many students is that roughly? Do you think, uh, as far as like the time commitment, I'm just curious what what that would, yeah, what that would look like.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. um As you said, it does depend a lot on many different factors. But just to give you an example, you know, when I was in Japan, what I did, I did. I mean, I'm quite a budget frugal traveler, so I did two weeks. Uh, woofing which is like volunteering on farms and for that time I had great experiences but no expenses so two week trip with no money paid basically Um, then I did two weeks of work so what I would do in in those two weeks is I worked in the morning like maybe 8am until midday so probably had like four or five lessons a day perhaps and The afternoons I had free as well as the weekend. That was just my free time to meet people and travel. And that was enough to, I didn't do the exact finances, but I guess it was enough to break even. Um, Japan's an expensive country. Um, And then in Thailand, it was more like just two hours a day. And the rest of the time, just chilling and exploring. And again, about you break even there. But again, it depends on your prices too. So you have to make sure you're charging what you're worth. I think many people will undercharge because they have that imposter syndrome, but you have to kind of have the confidence that you can provide value and yeah. Yeah. Charge what you're worth.
0: Yeah. That's good advice for all businesses, right? Mm. So how are you feeling right now? Are you locked into a lease? Do you own this place? Are you feeling settled down now? Or are you going to hit the road again? What's What's going on in your life?
1: No, no, no. I, I I've got the... I've got uh, itchy feet really bad at the moment. I, <laughs> I haven't traveled. The last time I traveled was February. Well, yeah, I, I guess I came back February 2020. So it's yeah. been over a year with no travel. Yeah, and um,
0: that's a lot of people, of course. Yes, exactly.
1: I'm not alone, which is nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, 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 my dream is just to be out there 24 seven, just moving okay. around, and you
0: want to do the nomad thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of long, uh, long term. Travel, like slow travel, yeah. Like maybe staying in one place for a couple months, but I don't really want to be in the UK for too long. It's a bit boring here, um in my opinion. I've been here too long, I guess. But yeah, at the moment, I'm just renting this place. You know, uh, the rent, the current contract ends in October of this year. So I'm wondering you know, what the state of the world will be like. Like, will I be able to get back out there? Or do I have to rent for another six months? But we'll just have to see. But hopefully I can get back out there and, you know, maybe explore Southeast
0: Asia some more. So you're committed to this place through October? Yes. Okay. We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and (laughs) immediately... I was sold. I had to get one. Aeropress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. Aeropress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years. I don't even remember how long it's been and they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. Here's a question because a lot of people might be in the same situation where they're like, hey, I know I'm going to get back out there again, right? I'm just curious how you handle taking on possessions because that's... That's always a tricky thing, right? I remember in my nomad days, I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll just, now I'm not going to buy a couch. I'm just going to buy a $300 futon and sell it when I leave. You know, I mean, these things aren't rock side, but you know, there's a, a certain thing like the more, the longer you live somewhere, it's easier to sort of take in possessions. And then sometimes you fight against that because you know you're going back out, but you need certain things to live and you don't want to kind of get rid of everything and then have to rebuy it all the time and going back and forth. So I'm just curious how you handle that
1: yeah i'm totally with you on the futon thing that was my exact feelings as well um but i I even went one step further in that i looked for a furnished flat so we've got a nice table and this thing behind me this um bookcase it's none of it i bought so you can have a nice comfortable place but you don't have to commit to spending all that money and owning everything um i am a bit I wonder if I have OCD. I've never been diagnosed, but I'm a bit crazy. And I count all of my possessions. There's a really good website if anyone... I mean, it's just a good travel website. I think, let me check, it's called uh, Lighter Pack. I think LighterPack.com. And you can like input all of your contents of your backpack and it will tell you, you can like do the weight and everything. So you kind of have a, a graph of everything in your bag. And it helps to kind of make things lighter. But what I do is I basically put my entire, all of my possessions on that website. And I have less than a hundred possessions in total. So I tried to keep it simple and kind of the idea, if I ever can travel again, I don't have to worry about selling things. I can just kind of put it in my bag and go. Very simple. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a resource I had not heard about before. So I'll check it out. I see it right now. I can yeah add items and the weight and add it all that's pretty cool yeah so you're a minimalist i guess (laughs) right now or or maybe just a consequence of wanting to get back out on the road
1: (laughs) i think that's it i think that's it my friends think i'm a bit crazy but it's always like this idea like you know what if i have to leave right now you know i can grab all my stuff and it'll be fine or i don't know
0: yeah Yeah. i always thought there's something around that I guess it's a feeling of freedom to, even if you're not doing that, to know that you can. That feels good. Especially if, you, if you're if you planning on doing it again anyway, but it's just like, it's just a, I guess it just comes down to a feeling of freedom and your relationship with your possessions can, doesn't have to change that, but it can change that. So well, I had a good time talking to you. Do you have yeah, any uh, parting words of wisdom around travel or some of the stuff we talked about today?
1: Um yeah, I guess just don't let your don't let your uh, negative self-talk and your feelings of uh what's the word? limiting beliefs, right? Don't let that get in the way of the person that you want to be and the experiences you want to have. Um and yeah, make make a habit of acting in spite of your fear and not uh retreating back into your bubble that would Mm. be my summary i guess
0: yeah it's wonderful i like what you said the the person you want to be you know if there's a a next version of you then you have to look at the what some of the barriers might be to that and do what you need to do to kind of get to that you know but then there's also the fine line of uh that a healthy version of that and but also at the same time accepting who you are mm-hmm. and still loving yourself right mm. yeah but, yeah i guess there's a balance isn't there yeah but you know you know in your case you're you're just like this has to change i don't want to be this super shy person that doesn't have these interactions and these experience i want to be the type of person that goes out and and does these things and you've sort of willed yourself to that i think in many ways and you've done it through like you said that the tough time of kind of getting through that. Uh You're not seeing the muscles yet, I think was the analogy you used, <laughs> the gym analogy, right? Yes, but you built yes. up the muscles over time and that is true. You, you build the muscles over time. So um thank you for sharing everything you did today and maybe there are some people listening. I'm sure there are that they're, they're building hopefully some, some muscles around some things, just listening to this conversation. I I hope so. Appreciate it. One more time. You want to share a little bit about where people can find you. And if anybody has any questions or wants to get in touch, can certainly reach out to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, my website is ewmichael.com. If anyone is interested in teaching, you know, reach out to me. i will be happy to give some advice. Um, my podcast is level up English podcast um you know aimed at english learners of course and then if there is anyone who is learning mandarin chinese i've got a side project called maomi chinese and there's a podcast and kind of learning materials there as well so that's my free places i guess do you speak chinese or mandarin I'm, or? I'm learning i'm not very good i'm yeah, learning okay. but is it chinese um, or mandarin or uh, is Man- mandarin chinese there's also like mandarin. cantonese but this is mandarin yeah are you a polyglot or are you an aspiring polyglot aspiring yeah i, I don't speak anything any language to like a high level i would say nothing like advanced but yeah but you're into
0: language learning yes yes yeah <laughs> very cool uh well thanks for your time michael and so great to meet you and let's hopefully stay in touch.
1: Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, good to see you. All right. Take care. See you later.
0: There you have it. My chat with Michael. Hope you enjoyed listening in. There was so much value in this interview for me and a lot of takeaways, practical takeaways, but also things to think about for ourselves, for our lives and how travel can impact us on so many levels. It never fails to amaze me how powerful travel really is, if you think about it, beyond the obvious things that we all know and love. Visiting other cultures, experiencing them, the foods, the people, being connected in that way to the world, becoming a global citizen. So many things. And then you get into this other layer of how travel can impact you, As an individual, as a tool for improvement in many ways, whether you're doing it intentionally and consciously, like Michael was through his redemption trip where he said, you know what, I am going to get out there. I have these specific goals and I'm going to overcome this shyness and achieve my dreams of world travel or those changes that happen to us just from being on the trip. We can't help it because we've been exposed to certain things, new perspectives, people, And we take all that in and we change or we're just impacted in some way. It causes us to change. There's just so many levels to this and a lot of things to think about. And for me, I did want to answer this question that I gave you at the top, something to ponder coming out of this is what's one simple way that you can use travel to overcome something you want to overcome or to maybe explore something or improve yourself in some way, for lack of a better term, whatever uh, that means to you, what is one way you can use travel as a tool for growth? For me, one of the big things I'd like to do is be less intimidated to take my kids on the road for a period of time as a father. I think the most intimidating part is the educational side when I think about setting up a life where we can go for months at a time, my worries come around being able to make sure that they get the education they need. Now, I know in my hearts of hearts that travel is one of the best educations you can get, but there are practical things that kids need to learn, of course, you know, how to read, math, some history. It's debatable which parts of those things are necessary and mandatory just because they teach it in school doesn't necessarily mean it's something they still need to learn. But that's another topic for another show or another podcast where going can talk about the educational system of the modern day. But I would like to get more confident as a parent and figure out a way that I can use travel to give my kids an education in an intentional way. And it doesn't mean we have to go around and do like a boring field trip every day and every place we go. I more mean for their overall education and development. And uh, I just would like to use travel as that tool for them because I know we are going to be doing something that's going to involve <laughs> being gone for a period of time more than the average student, I would say, here. I'm not talking about a one week vacation. I would like to spend some months on the road with my kids, possibly longer. And in order to do that, do it comfortably, I do feel like I need to explore that educational piece. So for me, that is one way I want to use travel to improve, maybe as a parent, or to overcome a fear of not thinking I'll be able to give them the right education. And I think I can, I know I can, but I just need to kind of work with travel to figure out how that looks so that's something that i'm exploring with that question what are you exploring you can let me know you can always leave me a message i have a voicemail box set up it's free you can just click a button you don't have to sign in or anything leave a 90 second voice message love to get those or you can reach out anytime jason at zero to is my email of course you know i love to hear from listeners and this is a community-powered show thank you for being a part of this community before i let you go a couple things i do want to give a shout out to a couple people in the community who made my day. All right, a quick shout out here. I don't normally go to the review section for a shout out, but I did get a bit of a nasty review recently, which, you know, those things happen. I actually talked about it over my other podcast, Location Indie, if you wanna hear a whole episode on it. But, it, you know, it hurts. It happens when you put yourself out there, but it hurts. But on the back end of that, I see two people came in with very nice reviews. And definitely cheered me up. And also those reviews, of course, help get the show out to more people. And that helps more people travel. That's what this is all about. So I want to thank Rebo96 for saying love and giving the five-star love out there. says, thank you for highlighting all of your amazing guests that give advice and validate our own experiences. I love that. That's a very important part of what this is all about, right? sharing the stories, having the conversations, being in a community. We get to validate each other's um, experiences. It's a wonderful thing. Also, Mr. Darcy Loves Me, five stars. Amazing travel information from a genuinely kind. It was a lot of nice things, but I'll, I'll cut to the end where they said, if you want a travel podcast for someone who genuinely cares about travel and you, the listener, then this is the one. P.S. Any bad reviews are from people who are bitter and angry at their lives and has nothing to do with this actual podcast. Well, that's very sweet. Thank you for that. I should say I am very open to constructive criticism. Anytime I get emails or reviews that point some certain things out, I really take that to heart and think, okay, yes, maybe this is something I have to improve on. And there have been a lot of people over the years that have come in and gave me some constructive criticism that Really allowed me to improve the show. So that's, of course, welcome as well. Honest reviews are welcome. So I don't think all bad reviews are bad reviews. Some of them are deserved, of course. Uh, This show has been going on for eight years. (laughs) That's a long time. So there are always things to improve on to do better. And those types of comments are welcome as well. Don't shy away from those. You can, again... You don't want to leave them in the reviews. Uh, The five-star reviews are nice. I'm not going to lie to you. But if you do have some constructive criticism, then uh, you can always email me, as I mentioned, leave me a voicemail, whatever. Or if you have uh, a story you want to share, just some ideas, some perspectives, some helpful things for the audience, then share it. I love to make this a two-way conversation and I'll just leave you with that reminder. And this wonderful quote that I pulled out of the quote drawer. I actually pre-pulled this out of the quote drawer. I just saw it sitting there, and I thought, you know what? This is a great way to wrap up this episode, and it's such a lovely sentiment. And this is from Jalal ad Din Rumi, who said, "You are not just a drop in the ocean; you are the mighty ocean in the drop." That one gives me chills. Thanks for your time, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love.